Glad to be with you. Uh, I feel like it's only been a, a short while since I was last here uh, doing the drug awareness meeting. Um, but uh, glad to be back with you. Um, let me give you a small update of what we've been doing. Uh, things at New Hope have been really, really busy. Um, we have been basically full for the longest time. I have, I think, 15 guys on the waiting list at the moment that are phoning in every day waiting to get a bed. 15 guys, never had it before. That We normally have one or two guys hanging around waiting, looking for a bed, but 15 guys waiting for a bed. Uh, and we have currently in at the moment, out of the 16 guys in the main centre, we have nine guys that are in over, over six months. So that means that guys are there and are there for a long time. It's very, very stable at the moment. Um, I can't remember what the last report I gave you is about New Hope. Um, I suppose uh, we had probably bought our building from talking to Tony. Uh, we had bought the building and then we were talking about getting the other houses or we had gotten them. We have gotten them. So we right now have three properties. And I just got my accounts back for uh, 2016. And I say my accounts, I mean New Hope's accounts, okay? And, um, you know, we were looking at, at a, a lady and her bananas. And I was wondering, do I have a, like the banana story to give you? <laughs> and uh, I suppose that just the idea that God is still able to do the banana story. And he still does it even in Ireland today. You know, when, when I got back the accounts today or last week, I didn't really realize, you know, how much New Hope was, was worth in a sense. But um, we have property worth over 630,000, okay? Now, if you know, yous do know, <laughs> we didn't start off with a penny, okay? And God has just done a miracle in that we now have our own buildings. We, we, you know, we pay a little mortgage on the main one. We don't pay any mortgages on the other two. And uh, we've gone from, you know, praying that God would meet a need a couple of years ago to buy our building and yous being heavily invested in that, and we, we appreciate that. Um, but we've gone from that place now where, you know, chasing after God in prayer to bring in 35,000 euro to having a substantial, in a sense, property portfolio. It makes me laugh when I say that, right? Um, but uh, God is able to do and meet our needs. And that was the idea of banana story. You know, did she need 98 bananas? Not necessarily. You know, she could have done it two or three. She got 98 but um, God is able to do abundantly above uh, more than what we can ever ask or think. And the reality is he's still able to do that today. Sometimes in 2017, it's 2017, sometimes in 2017 we think, you know, God is maybe not doing that kind of stuff. He's not able to meet needs like that. God is able to do what he's done in that missionary's life in your life today. And your need mightn't even be financial. Maybe your need is spiritual. Maybe your need is, you know, maybe an addiction. I, I deal with people with addictions. Maybe your need is just a family breakdown or a broken relationship or a wayward child or whatever. God is able to meet whatever your bananas are. He is able to meet those needs. He is able to provide for them. He is able to overturn situations that you thought could never be overturned. God is able he hasn't changed. You know, from the missionary story, you know, how you can go from being in a, in, in, you know, a, a prison cell and being bitter and, you know, feeling like God's abandoned you at times. You know, we all go through times like that 
whether you're a missionary or not. But you know what? You can come out the other side of stories like that and situations like that and walking in victory, you know, singing those uh, gospel songs of God able to make a way. You know, so never forget, God has not changed at all. His power has not diminished. His batteries are not running low. He is able to meet your needs and your missionaries' needs. He's able to meet my needs too. Um, so New Hope is, is going well. Uh, pray for us because although we have three houses and we're taking in 23 guys at the moment, uh, we do have a great need of more houses. You say you, you're being greedy now. Uh, I'm not looking to purchase any houses. Um, the council have agreed to give us um, another house on license. Uh, they would own it and we'd be able to use it for whatever we want. Uh, and we would stick three guys in it. Um, but we have now, because we've had lads in for so long, very hard to get housing. So what we're noticing, the new problem is we're getting a backlog of guys that have been in a long time and not so easy to help them exit the safe accommodation and safe places to live. So uh, pray for us with that. We have uh, the council coming out on um, they're coming out on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and I've been praying that they would come out with an address to give me uh, for another step-down house. So that would be three houses in the community that we would have with nine guys in them. Uh, and then we can take in another three fresh guys straight away. Like we had a guy yesterday, uh, and these things happen in a ministry like ours, uh, they had been out playing baseball in the local park and all that kind of stuff with, with the staff. Came home, the guy was meant to go do his washing, and uh, he, uh, the, the staff went to look for him and he wasn't there. He wasn't around, they couldn't find him. He was gone for an hour, came back with hair and or grass in his hair and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what he had done was he had absconded out the gate or through a, over the fence or whatever and uh, disappeared for an hour and came back. So the staff had to discharge him and uh, within a half an hour we were getting messages, please take me back in. But you know what? As soon as we discharged him, we called another guy who, who was on the waiting list and the next guy was he's coming in Monday. So those places at New Hope are valuable. And and you, you don't mess up or give it up because you mightn't get another chance then for who knows how long. So you've got to grasp the opportunity with both hands. So that's how quick things can, uh, people, you know, can make mistakes. And, you know, we have people ready to come in. And uh, it's just a great opportunity for us to be, be able to do that at this point. Um, Family-wise, family are good. Um, I know you just know we had to break in when I was down at camp. I had to run home for that. Uh, kids were nervous, wife was panicking, but everybody is happy and content at the moment. All right. So um, uh, we were at a taekwondo competition last night. If any of us follow us on Facebook, I had pictures of the kids fighting yesterday and stuff like that. Um, now you say having your kids fighting—that's terrible. Listen, we have to have some kind of security in the house. Uh, Claire can't do it all herself, you know. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a really fun sport they do. Uh, it's not like Scott's, uh, Scott stuff. It's, uh, it's much, more civilized, much more civilized than that, let me tell you. But uh, they had their first competition yesterday, and, and they all had a good time. And uh, young Aiden says, if there was just a round three, I would have won that fight. <laughs> all right? I think he's right, actually. But, uh, but you know what? If, just, if I could go a little bit longer, I would have bet the guy. Um, so family are doing well, but always pray for our family. You know, we are going 100 miles an hour all the time. 
um, and I mean all the time, whether it's, you know, we're at home, we're still doing stuff, catching up on stuff, uh, it is just uh, manic in our house all the time. Um, so we are, uh, we are blessed, God has been good, uh, the ministry is going well, the Friday night outreach is a bit slow, um, but really that needs somebody doing a full time, and you say, I thought you were doing a full time. New hope consumes every moment that I have. <laughs> it is a, an absolute uh, monster, okay? Um, it is just all consuming. I mean, we started off New Hope, and uh, you know, when I first started off, I was taking people into my own home. Uh, now we have 23 guys, like I said. It, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of teaching. It's a lot of being around the home. It's Monday to Friday. I travel at the weekends. You know, it's, it's an awful lot. Um, we've just taken on a new member of staff. Um, uh, Mickey, he's a Northern Ireland guy that you probably saw last week at, at camp. Uh, so we're blessed in a lot of ways, but uh, it is very busy, so continue to pray for our family. Turn your bo- Don't turn your Bible there. Let me just read you uh, a short passage. But we're going to look at missions this morning, just some ideas that, that I've been thinking about, about missions. Uh, very basic stuff, not going not to... Uh, reinvent the wheel with missions but uh, I was driving down the car this morning and I was thinking of a verse in Esther and it's in Esther 4 and we're not going to go there because I'm not going to end there I'm not going to start there we're going to go into the Gospels in a minute and it says this it says and it's basically uh, Mordecai talking to um, to Esther, and he says this at the end of chapter chapter 4, verse 14, at the end of the verse, he says this, For who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Okay? And do you know God has a plan and knows we were all going to be here today? And God has you living in Cork or wherever you live. Maybe you live outside of Cork, I don't know. But God has you here on the planet. He doesn't have you when the missionary was around. He doesn't have you living up in Dublin. He has you living here in this time. He has you attending this church uh, under Pastor Ledbetter and the leadership here uh, at the church. But this is your time. This is your opportunity. You're not going to get another opportunity to reach the world. This is it. You're not going to get another opportunity to reach your neighbor. This is it. You won't get another opportunity to reach your family. This is it. This one life that you have, that I have, we got to make the most of it. we got to make the most of the opportunities that come a- a- across our path, those God-given opportunities to speak the gospel to people. we got to make the most of them. Because we are here for such a time as this. You know what? God could have called us as soon as we got saved, God's plan could have been, as soon as they get saved, bang, take them out, take them to heaven. They're never going to be any more right with God than the moment they get born again. Let's take them away. But he didn't. He left us here. You know why he left us here? He left us here to reach the world with the gospel, the Bible says. You know, we are here to reach those people that don't know God. You know, we, there's no angels coming to do the work. You know, God's not sending dreams down to everybody. Uh, he sends us to everybody. And we need to be willing and ready and able to go and share the gospel with people. Now grab your Bible. <laughs> Turn to Psalm, eight, Psalm 89. I'm going to do one verse and then we're going to go into the uh, book of Mark. Psalm 89 verse 1. 
So we're all here for such a time as this. And what are we going to do with that time? What are we going to do with this opportunity? What are you going to do with those legs? What are you going to do with those hands? What are you going to do with that mouth? You know, what are you going to do with that wallet that's in your pocket? What are you going to do with that prayer that you can pray? What are you going to do with those opportunities that God has uh, you uh, in front of your life? Well, in this uh, text that we're going to read, it's, uh, it's David here. And what he's saying is in uh, Psalm 89 verse 1. And the idea or the thought this morning is, are you a goer or a sender? What are you? David says this. He says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Okay? So what do we notice about this verse? You know what? David is encouraged in his heart. He is going to sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. If you were a born-again Christian this morning and you know what it is to have your sins forgiven, you know what the mercy of God is. Isn't that true? I know what God has done for me. I hope you know what He's done for you. And I'm going to sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And with my mouth will I make known His, thy faithfulness to all generations. Will you? You have the same mouth I have. I was going to say some of you have a bigger mouth than I have, but I better not say that. Um, If you say it like that, you can say it. But if you say it the other way, people get offended. Um, but let me tell you, you have a set of lips, you have a mouth, you have words that come out of that mouth, some very, very good words, some maybe not so good words, but you know what, you can go and reach and tell about God's mercy and God's faithfulness to the generations, to all generations. Well, which generation are we in? We're in this generation. This generation desperately needs to hear about God desperately needs to hear about God's mercy. You know, they do not know. You know, uh, who's this guy, David? Well, David's the psalmist. You know, this guy didn't do everything right. As a matter of fact, I could preach ten messages this morning about the things that he messed up and the mistakes that he made. But you know what? This fella, when he was doing well and he was right with God, let me tell you, this fella had a connection with God that we don't ever really stem the depths of it. And David had that closeness with God. When he's saying about God's mercy, here's a man speaking from experience. He knows what it's like to mess up, and mess up probably more than most in the room. He knows what it's like. And when God worked in his life the way he's worked in our lives, we need to be speaking up for him. You know, David felt compelled to share about God's faithfulness. Do we? Do we? Oftentimes we're too busy thinking about ourselves and the battles that we're personally having rather than being willing to share. You know, what struck me about the missionary story this morning wasn't just the bananas, although that will live with me, uh, but it was the idea that even though she was in a prison or a war camp, she was willing to go and, and speak and share the gospel with the, the guy, in a sense, who had her life in his hands. And let me tell you, we don't know a Christianity like that often nowadays in this generation. If somebody might give us a sour look, we're afraid to speak to them. Isn't that true? We're afraid to say we're a Christian often in case people look at us funny. Where you had a missionary 
who was, in a sense, she wasn't a missionary probably back then. She was just living for God in the, in the prison camp. But she was willing to speak to somebody who at any moment could have had her, her life put to, uh, ended. We don't know that. And where does that type of heart stem from? Well, it stems from a personal relationship with God. She had so much of God, just like we can have, no more than us, but she had it and it was real to her. And I think of our Christianity could be that real, where on a day-to-day basis, we're expecting God to meet our needs, uh, not just, again, in the physical, but in the spiritual, in what we do and opportunities that we have. If we have that close walk with God, that we're listening to the Spirit of God lead us in our lives, we would have that which David had. We would have that which this missionary lady had, that close walk with God that would break those barriers of fear down when they come in when it comes to being a goer or a sender. You know what? Well, turn over in your Bible, if you will, to the book of Mark. And um, we'll look at some of the real familiar stories or gospel verses, uh, missions verses in the Bible. Um, if you're new to church, missions uh, conference time is a wonderful time. It's a time where the church remembers, in a sense, what its purpose is and refocuses, recommits, uh, gets booklets like what you have, which look great, and reintroduces the missionaries again before the church to encourage prayer, to encourage uh, the, the church, to encourage the missionaries, to encourage the church to remember what they're given for. Um, but in a sense, the people in that book, you're not given to them. You're always given to God. Always remember that. You don't owe me anything. You don't send me anything. I believe that God sends me the money through you and you're just at the avenue that God uses. And I think if you, if you put your purse away and you didn't send it, I believe God could send it some other way. And God is able to meet the need like that. Here in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we have a very familiar verse. And obedience to the Great Commission is oh so important. It's that important that it's in the four Gospels. And this is what it says in Mark 16, 15. It says, And he saith unto them, this is Jesus speaking, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean you go witnessing to a horse or anything like that, okay? It's to everybody, no matter if they're good, bad, handsome, you know, uh, if they're, you know, poor, if they're rich. It doesn't matter who they are. Go, re- go preach the gospel to everybody. And, you know, that commission, that great commission, let's not just call it a commission. It's the great commission. And every, uh, in my notes, when I've put down the great commission, I've, I've put great in capital letters on my page, so it reminds me of how great a commission it is and the responsibility that comes with it. Isn't that true? Those of you that have children, you will know when you have your first child and you walk out of maternity hospital, you know, you have about 40 blankets on the baby in the car seat, don't you? You know, you have, a, <laughs> you have that baby tied in in case it falls out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you are you are all set. You know why? Because you're walking out with the biggest uh, set of responsibility that you have ever had in your life. And you know it. And it's looking back at you and it, you're looking at it and you're thinking, how am I going to do this? You know what? Uh, I still think 
those same thoughts when I look at, at my boys, how am I going to do this? But you know what? When it comes to the Great Commission, we've just been told in the Gospels by Jesus himself that we, that's you, that's me, we need to go into all the world, that's everywhere, to everybody, and preach the Gospel to anybody and everybody that will listen. And to the ones that won't listen to. Okay? That is an awesome responsibility. That means we need to plan. We need to prepare. We need to know what the responsibility entails. We need to know what we need to do. We need to know how to do it. We need to know what, you know, um, what equipment we might need. You say, I didn't think you needed equipment to go preach the gospel. Uh, you certainly need Bibles. People need to have the Word of God. They need to know that you're given the gospel and that the gospel comes from the very pages of the Bible. Uh, that's how we know the gospel because it's in, it's in the pages of Scripture. You know, when we go and we're going to go and reach the world with the gospel, it's an awesome responsibility. It's a responsibility that God doesn't send us alone to do. Flip over to the book of Acts. And again, I know most of you can quote this better than I can read it. Uh, but I'm sure there's going to be new people that have maybe never seen the black and white uh, of uh, Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. You know, the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, it's never going to change. There's no new instructions coming. Failure isn't an option. Success is always guaranteed. But we need to understand what's, how it's going to all work out and uh, what's going to happen. He says, but after... But he says in verse 8, he says, but ye shall receive power. That's really important. That's one of the necessary ingredients for sharing the gospel. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Okay? So God tells us what we should do, but He also tells us He will give us the power to do it. And that's, you know, He gives us the ability to do it. He can't make you do it though. He can give you the power to do it, but He cannot make you do it. He will not make you do it. That's one of those free will choices uh, that you have to make to speak up. You know, God can use your words, but you got to speak up. You got to have faith enough to speak up and go and speak speak out. You know the words that that Jesus spoke. He made it clear that you know what we all need to share the good news. Well, where do you begin? You begin at your home. You expand to you know your your surrounding areas. Then your your almost part of the the earth that talks about. So we need to go and reach everybody, and this means that we're all called to be witnesses. Now, is everybody called to be missionaries? Not necessarily, okay? We do missionary-style work. We evangelize, we reach people. We should be giving out the gospel. Uh, we should be involved in Christian service. But not everybody's called to go and give up their where they live and move to somewhere else, okay? That's not what we're all called to do. Um, uh, so, you know, I suppose that's probably a little bit of responsibility taken off you. Uh, but some are. And I believe that there's a lot of people in churches that... Um, should be missionaries that aren't missionaries, uh, but because they're not listening to the call of God on their life, 
you know what, I didn't wake up one day and think, you know what, it's a good idea. I've been down the career guidance uh, path and I went down, saw the career guidance counsellor down social welfare over in Scotland and uh, she suggested, I was actually never on the social welfare when I finished the programme, I went and got a job actually. But if I went to the career guidance, they're not going to tell me to go be a missionary. You know, I went to a missions conference in Tala uh, and I, I heard preaching about the book of Acts and how it hasn't stopped, that the work has to continue and I'm responsible for it. And uh, when I went home that night, um, me and Claire both talked and God had been speaking to the two of us about giving up what we had in Scotland, giving up our house, giving up our studies, me giving up my job, and us leaving what we had in Scotland and moving to Ireland to become missionaries to the addicted. Um, do I regret doing that? Uh, no, never regret it. it was, it's always difficult, but never regret taking on that responsibility. But it was God-given. God spoke to us. He used preaching. He used the preacher. He spoke to us and then clearly led in the situation. But you know what? God, if that's what God does with missions, He calls people to be missionaries. Could He call you? Could He ask you to let go of what you have in order to gain what you can't see right now? Could He ask you to let go of that precious life that you have and trust Him with it? You know what? There are people that in the church who... Um, will be goers who God will want to go. And, uh, you know, Kevin was talked about, Kevin O'Keefe, and, and he has gone, and that's wonderful. He's gone to start a church, and I know he's still involved there. But what a wonderful thing that is when somebody leaves a church to go start another church and is still supported by the, uh, by the church he was in. It's a wonderful thing. But there's also going to be a bunch of people in the church who will send. Okay? Because why do we send missionaries? It's because we can't go ourselves. You know, you can't be in Dublin. You know, you can't be in Timbuktu. You can't be in the Philippines. Or you can't be everywhere. Why? Because you're in Cork. This is the generation that you need to reach. The ones in Cork. The ones that you can go and physically speak to. They're the ones that you're called to go and reach. But you still are responsible for the rest of the world. So you send missionaries on your behalf. So you either need to go, and you need to go whether you're, you're going to be a missionary or not, you need to go to your, the people around you, the people you work with, those that you were in school with, you also need to send. You know, you need to be a goer or a sender. There's no one else you can be. You can be somebody that's disobedient and not do neither, uh, but you will never, ever get to the place in your Christian life where God wants you to be. The missions is... Uh, formed from the heart of God. It's God's plan for reach of the world. You know, when I, I you know I travel around a lot of churches, all right? And, um, you know, I go around all the UK, you know, all over the place. I'm in Pastor Les Hill's church in Lucan uh, in a missions conference next, next weekend. You know, travel around a lot, see a lot of different churches. Um, most of the churches I go to do missions the way you would. Um, not all. I've been to churches where I go in and they tell me about their, uh, their missions uh, program in a sense and I find out what it is and I learn it's uh, a yearly missions trip that the teenagers make uh, to some place to go and do a missions trip and that's what their missions program consists of. Now, I think there's value in doing that but I don't think that's a missions program. Okay? That's not going and doing missions. Not the way the Bible lays out anyway. You know, 
uh, we're called to go and reach the world. Going on a two-week, careful how I say this, holiday uh, is not necessarily doing missions. Now, can it store the heart of teenagers to go and see missionary work going on and be involved in it? Absolutely, and it could be wonderful for that. But also, I know other churches that I've been to, that I've given a testimony in or whatever, and, uh, you know, they, they, for them to do missions, they, you know, get some builders out of church, and the builders out of church go to Africa and build uh, churches or houses for, uh, for the missionaries over there or whatever. Is there value on that? Absolutely. But is that your missions program? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And oftentimes the expense to get over to Africa to build those houses, you could build four houses for the same price of the plane tickets. So you've got to be careful about how you're using, I suppose, the Lord's money in those ways. It always grieves me when I see, uh, you know, wasteful spending. You know, uh, money should be carefully spent in the kingdom of God. We should be very careful about how we spend it, especially missions money. Missions money should be spent on reaching the world, reaching lost people. That's what it should be spent on. You know what? The Great Commission is one of those things that we need to take so seriously. You know what? Maybe if you've never been on a missions trip, and I've just been, you know, not slagging off missions trips, but letting you know that it can't be only that. But if you've never been to see another work of God in, in a mission field somewhere, uh, I would encourage you uh, maybe to do something like that, to see what God is doing somewhere else. It might store your heart. You know, there's missionaries that the church has probably been supporting for years and years and years, and there's maybe nobody ever seen what they do. Even going now to do a report on what they do and coming back so the church can more effectively pray for the ministry is a good thing. You know, uh, God uh, is in, in missions. He wants the world to be reached. He, he provides a way through missions. So um, what should I do about being a goer? Okay. Um, well, a goer is somebody obviously that goes. Some people ask when I'm traveling around, they'll ask, so how does somebody become a missionary? You know, where do I send my CV in a sense? You don't send your CV, okay? Uh, it's something that people don't really request. And I suppose if you're requesting it, there's probably something wrong. Um, but missions is one of those things that kind of comes out of when, when God's calling you to be a goer. Sometimes it can kind of come out of blue. You know, you're just living for God. You're serving God the best you can in your local church. And then suddenly there's a message Suddenly there's a burden. Suddenly there's a, a call on your life where God starts to speak to you or lead you in a way that's different than He has before. You know, um, how do we how do we become a missionary? Well, if somebody wants to become a missionary, I have to ask you a few questions. So here's some of the questions I was thinking about. I'd ask. My first one would be: Have you been faithful to witness to your family, friends, and your community? You want to be a missionary. Because if you don't start there, you're never going to do it somewhere else. Okay? So if you don't witness to the people around you, the people around you don't know you're a Christian, they don't know uh, the gospel, they, they never hear uh, stuff like that coming from you, you will never do it somewhere else if you don't do it where you're at now. Next question I'd ask, are you soul conscious? What does that mean? It means that when you look at the world, do you see people uh, as lost and saved? You know, are you aware that there's a need for people to get saved? Not just that on a Sunday pastor talks about it or the preacher talks about it, but do you know it? And I tell you, the church won't have, or, uh, have a problem getting money out of your pocket for missions 
if, you, if you're soul conscious, if you're aware that the people that, that's around us and the people around the world have a desperate need to hear the gospel, because that's you being soul conscious, it's easy to give to that when you know. As a matter of fact, it's, you know, it's one of them things that becomes an absolute born and desire in you when you really know. Are you soul conscious? Another one that I was thinking about was, do you have a good reputation amongst your peers, the people in your church, the people around you? Do you have a good reputation? You know what? When people hear your name, what comes to mind? <laughs> That's scary, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but you know what? You need to have a good reputation. A missionary should have a good reputation. The Apostle Paul, what happened to him? His name used to be Saul. Uh, we know he used to be, uh, you know, uh, killing Christians. He used to be closing down churches, locking them up. We know he had the Damascus Road experience. God saved him, made him blind, changed his life around, uh, sent him to go serve in a church. He ended up in the church. Well, he didn't get sent out straight away. You know, he was in that church for a number of years before he got sent out to be a missionary. Why? Because... People needed to trust him. He needed to grow and develop in that local church where God had called him to. And you know what? By the time he was sent out, uh, he was a changed man. And do you know everybody in that church knew he was a changed man? You know what? Before he, When he first got saved, people were worried about him and the church that he was just a spy. He had such a bad reputation. But you know what? Of his consistent godly living, the people around him knew that he was God's man and he would do anything for God. And when he got sent out as a missionary, he became, in a sense, the ultimate missionary. You know, do you have a good reputation amongst your peers? Next one is, are you faithful and given in church attendance? You know what, this is a Baptist church, so we, we may as well get given out away when we're talking about missions. Missions doesn't happen on its own. It takes people to pray, it takes people to go, and it takes people to give. I mean, we got to do those. Uh, and uh, no bones about it, uh, I give to missions every month. Uh, I hope you give to missions, but you also have to make sure that if you're wanting to be a missionary, that you're doing those basic things that are necessities, uh, first of all. You know what? If you're married, how does your wife or your husband feel about you becoming a missionary? Are they involved in it? Do they? You know, I just told you, when God spoke to... to uh, to me, I wasn't sure that he had spoken, declared about anything. I just went home and we sparked up a conversation about the meeting. And uh, I had a board and you know what? She had the same board. And we didn't know how it was all going to work out. All, all I got was this, you know, in a sense, tugging on my heart. You know, we need to go and reach these people. It was as much as that. I didn't know how I was going to do it, what it was going to take or, or anything like that. You know, that's all we had. But Claire was on board with it. Let me tell you, a lot of missionaries come over to Ireland and leave, and you know why? Because their wife doesn't sell. Seeing that over and over again. And I know lots of missionaries. Most of the churches I visit are missionaries that are in the churches. And most of, a lot of them, I won't say most of, but a lot of the missionaries that I know that have left in the UK, oftentimes it's because the wife hasn't settled, and maybe she just didn't have what the husband had in the first place. We got to be careful. If you're married, uh, you are now joined, uh, and you are together. You need to make sure that the two of you are are absolutely on board with the sacrifice and the call. 
you know, uh, what else? Have I determined that, you know, uh, of whether it's just a, a burden that I have or it's the call of God in my life? So how are you going to figure out whether it's just a burden or it's a real call? Well, the Holy Spirit will have to do that in your own heart and in your own life. And you know what he will use to do it? He will use uh, prayer. If you're not sure, let me say, pray and fast about it. You know what? Go and speak to the leadership in your life. You should be making an appointment with the pastor as soon as you see him. You can see him and say, listen, God's given me this burden for this particular thing or this particular place. What do you think? And it run a trauma. And listen, God can lead your preacher and he can help you and those people that are around you uh, to know what you should do, if you should do anything about it. You know, um, do you feel different about this uh, burden that God's given you than before? Do you think it's just, you know, one of these things that, you know, you, you do for now, but, or is it one of these lifelong calls? You know, there are people that do missions and they go and serve for a few months and short-term mission trips and stuff like that. But then there are other people that go and they're gone forever. They don't come back. You know, uh, now with travel the way it is, it's hard to think that people would never come back. But in a sense, they're moving everything in their lives to go somewhere else to, with no thoughts of returning to their old home. You know, is it a lifetime call? You know, there are a number of things that we can do. We can, um, to be a goer, you need to be willing to, to do anything for God. You need to be willing to go where God would have you. But listen, God is not just going to pluck you out of the air and call you. You know what? You got to be doing uh, what you're responsible for doing right now in your local church. Reach your community. Give to worldwide missions. Pray for those missionaries in that book that you have. You know, be involved in the missions program. Oftentimes, when I'm in church, there'll be one person responsible for the missions, missionaries, missions program, missions board. Let me tell you, that is a, a vital part of your church life. See that board at the back? It is vital. Vital for your development as a Christian. You should know those Christian missionaries. You should know where they are, what they're doing, uh, what their needs are. You should know, you know who they're praying for. You know, they are going on your behalf. Sometimes when, they're, when, when we stick the money in the envelope and into the, into the basket or whatever, we can kind of forget about it as if it's all done. That's only one step along that long journey. You need to be praying. You need to be going. You need to be giving. You need to be involved in it. Um, you know, well, what about being a sender? Well, what would you have to do to be a sender? A sender is somebody that's in the local church. They're not called to go anywhere. They're called to be a good Christian church member here. They're called to reach their communities. They're called to, uh, you know, be involved in the ministry here in the local church. Well, the first thing you can do as a sender is pray. Before you even get into the financial end of things, make sure you pray. You know, uh, have a private daily uh, prayer time with God about the, the needs of missions and about reaching your community. You know, you can, uh, you can ask your pastor, can you be involved in doing some work with the mission stuff? Uh, maybe writing to the missionaries. Uh, you know, you can give. You know, every time a missionary comes to your church to visit, you know, you can have an idea of, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to set aside an amount of money that I'm going to give to this missionary for a particular need or a particular work that's going on, uh, or whatever, or so the church can take on more missionaries, or whatever it might be. You know, you can, you can do that as a, as a sender. You know, Calvary demands our best, not just our leftovers. I always remember that. 
you know, we were, we were going to do something at the men's home, and for years in the men's home, I call it the men's home, it's just always called the men's home, but it's New Hope. Um, you know, for years we were just kind of scraping, boy, you know, everything was tough, everything was hard, and you know, you're just getting going. You know, you'd have to have nearly a staff meeting before you could buy a bucket of paint, you know, and not because, you know, I needed anybody's permission, it was just because the money wasn't there to buy a bucket of paint, right? So it was kind of like that. Weston and Scott will probably know, times have been tough up there. But the reality is, you know, I'm at the place now where, you know, when I'm looking going, listen, I want God's best for here. You know, when I started off, it's just the way it was, and I had five different color couches in the sitting room. Everybody's stuff that they wanted to get rid of. When you want to get rid of stuff at the time, it was phone the men's home and they'll take it off you. It's not good enough for you anymore, but they'll take it. I don't think that's good enough for God. And I, I don't think we should ever get to that place where, you know, it's just a Christian missionary. It's just a mission's work. We don't have to be too involved in it. You know, uh, it's important. You know, Calvary demands our best. And let me, let me say, you know, uh, do your best for God. Maybe you're flat broken. You can't give the missions. You know what? Do whatever you can do. You know, maybe you can't go and, you know, you have responsibilities here. You be the best sender you can be. You dedicate time every day to pray. You be involved in the missions work here in the church. You know, don't just be involved in it. Know what's going on. Make it as if it's part of your life. You know, be committed to those missionaries that you've committed to sending money to, that you've committed to praying for. Be involved in what they're doing. You know, uh, without missionaries, we can't fulfill the Great Commission. Because if we don't support missions the way God says we should support them, well, each of us needs to go out and start traveling and go reach the world for ourselves because we're never going to be able to be faithful believers if we don't send the missionaries. You know, uh, and being involved in, in, you know, biblical missions, you know, it's God's plan. We expect and know that God's going to be with us. He's going to lead in it. He's going to direct in it. He's going to give the ability and the enablement to, uh, see that work go ahead and see that work uh, succeed. And, you know, uh, if you had asked, you know, years ago, how do you see your ministry going? Uh, I had no idea. It's kind of just changed and developed over the years as God has kind of uh, brought new people and brought some uh, funding to it and whatever. But God has just met the need all the time. Uh, but it's not always easy. But you know it's always good? It's always good when you get a letter or you get a text or you get an email, you know, saying, I just want you to know our church is really praying for you. You know, that is such a help. You know why? Because sometimes, see when you're sitting in the office and things aren't going so good, you feel awfully alone. As a missionary, I'm telling you, you can feel awfully alone. Why? Because you're responsible for a huge task. And you can feel very alone. And let me encourage you, you encourage the missionaries that you have. Know them. Know their children. Know what's going on with their children. Do you know my kids have to put up with all the stuff I have to put up with? Do you know that? See all the traveling that I have to do? And I'm happy to do it. Just don't feel bad because I'm here. Like that. I love doing it, okay? But my kids have to go sometimes that I'm not there some weekends. A lot of weekends. They're missionaries in a sense too. They're part of a missionary family and they're sacrificed on their behalf too. Know who those families are. Know what they're giving up. 
you know, uh, my kids, they probably would have been raised in Scotland. Well, thankfully they're not. <laughs> but uh, they could have been raised in Scotland. All with Scottish accents, wearing kilts and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but they weren't. God had other ideas. But you know what? There's missionary kids that are on the mission field that you support that would be raised in their own home places if they weren't missionaries on, on your behalf. Make sure you know them. I'm just about closed. Let me finish with a couple of points. You know, in closing, the following question, well, what is missions? You know, well, it's God's plan. When we talk about missions, it's God's plan to reach the world. Missions, in a sense, is retelling the gospel story over and over again. It's discipleship. It's baptizing. It's local church ministry. That's what missions ultimately, that's the outworking of missions. You know, in doing missions, we get involved in that close work with God that God's also interested in in reaching the world with the gospel. You know what? Missions is an outward movement. It's not just inward. We don't just do it here. We actually have to go outward to do it. You know, missions is something that we're all, I won't say invited to, but we're commanded to obey. Uh, we have to be involved. So let me ask you, are you involved? Are you really involved? And I don't even mean money. Forget money. Are you really involved? You know, do you really pray for those missionaries? Do you really pray for me? I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for all those people up there. I want you to pray for Pastor while he's away. I want you to pray for him when he's here. Let me encourage you. Get involved. Are you, are you, are you in prayer for, for the missions? Are you a giver? Could you be a goer? Could you be a goer? Could you be a goer? You know, I look at some of my kids and I think, man, I wonder where God could use you. And I have one that would eat anything, you know, because I'm, I'm mad picky about my food, you know, but uh, I have one that would eat anything. It's Aiden. And you know what? Me and Claire often sit there and think, that's funny how that kid is like that, that he'd eat anything. And we think, you know what? Could God have a plan to send him somewhere mad where to eat mad food? I th- and I think mad food are nearly vegetables, okay? But, uh, but he, he eats anything. He eats real hot food and stuff like that. He'd try anything, you know? Um, and we sit there as a family, and we, we don't say that to them because I wouldn't want to be leading them in that way. But you know what? That's what we do think about. What's God doing? Could he be a goer? Could he be somebody that God calls? Well, I tell you, if he goes to a church that's involved in giving, going, and praying for missionaries, he'll be much more likely to give, go, and pray himself. So let me encourage you. Give, go, and pray. Do all that God would have you to do. And, uh, and listen, uh, come back tonight, please. We will be speaking again on missions. Um, appreciate you listening. Uh, thank you for your support over the many years. I am back as a missionary in Ireland since 2005. And I believe it was later on in 2005 that I came down and started being supported uh, by this church. Uh, that is uh, 12 years ago. Okay, I'm nearly sure I'm right. Uh, you have been supporting our family for 12 years. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I would encourage you not to give up. Okay, uh, And not just for my sake, for your sake too. Be involved. If you're ever passing up my way, 
and you want to drop in and lay eyes on New Hope and see what's going on, please do. Because if you're going to Dublin, you have to drive right by where we are. So let me encourage you to drop in and see us.